Welcome back to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. Like, why are you saying welcome back, dude? Just because we're recording both at the same time. Nobody listening knows this. Keep going. This is part two. They're glad. Okay, we both had a busy week in ministry. Wait, that, we already said that part. Hey, uh, we both worked in ministry for a number of years and have seen just about everything. And now we really have. And as famous as we are, we are ready to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Wow, what an intro. How'd you like that one, Jason? Was that one better than the last one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know what to say right now. That was hilarious. I guess I, I want to say welcome back, but I've been chastised. So, hey, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey, my name is Jason. I'm married. I have two kids. I work for the Bishop of Dallas, and I'm wearing the same clothes that I was the last time we had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. We all trimmed our beards to the same length. This is just <laughs> unbelievable how consistent we are. So you can see all of this on our YouTube channel, YubeTube. I don't know why I speak. I don't even know why I try, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Search Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Look for the checkered black and red, and uh, and you'll dive in and join our conversation there. Leave a comment if you make it there. And ring that bell or whatever you're supposed to do. I'm not good with internet. So there we go. Um, so last time we had you on, Jason, just last week, was uh, was kind of a conversation about professionalism in ministry. And this week, we want to really dive into what does it mean to grow, cultivate professionalism in ministry? And maybe that's us as an individual or how we do it with our with our ministry team. Um, but we're hoping you can uh, shine some light onto some practicals in regards to that. So break it down. Well, first of all, it's great to be with you guys and having this conversation. I think this is one of the most important conversations that we can be having as leaders in the church today, especially knowing that the church continues to be in need of good leadership. The way that we move evangelization in a postmodern world today is going to rely heavily. Pope Francis has made this clear. I think our bishops are making this clear. It's going to rely heavily on a fully formed and moving forward lay faithful. And so our ability as leaders to be the best professionals we can to help the lay faithful, those that we serve, bring the church into a new age is of the utmost importance. So really excited to be having this conversation uh, and thankful for you guys to want to have this conversation uh, today. When we talk about professionalism and really getting into the practicals, um, kind of harkening back to what we talked about uh, in, in the last uh, podcast, we've got to be willing to break down each element of what we do and then recognize that we have to do each of those elements exceptionally well because the work that we do has eschatological consequences. They ring out through eternity. We are bringing people to Jesus. So we have to be really good at what we do. And that comes down to some of the nitty gritty things that oftentimes maybe we don't think about. So I'm hoping to kind of break some of that down today. Great. Do we get to dive into some like horror stories, like things gone wrong, like where you saw professionalism really break down? I think that would be fun. Like where have you seen it done very poorly without names um, and, and like what should have been done? I think that might be fun. Uh, well, I'll be the I'll be the first to share. I don't even I'll, I'll share names. His name was Jason Duderman. I'll never forget a couple of years into parish ministry. You know, it's funny. Um, it, it's one thing when you work for your mentor. So I I work I I, I said on the last uh, podcast, Chris was my mentor. I worked for Chris. I think he saw me at the very beginning through some of the good and the bad. Um, but it's something entirely different when you venture out on your own. Some parish is 
you know, dumb enough to give you the title director. <laughs> yep. um, and within my first couple of years, I definitely had a couple of, of moments where I did not necessarily make the parish look all that well. Um, one in, in particular, uh, I totally mishandled a volunteer situation. Um, I had a volunteer that was not showing up, was not wanting to invest uh, in the program the way that I needed to needed them to. And rather than loving them into kind of the the uh, the type of volunteer role that they needed to have, um, I gave them a piece of my mind that didn't go over so well. And uh, that volunteer not only left, but took several volunteers with them. Wow. Uh, there's a way to there's a way to finesse right the way that we're working with our volunteer teams they're giving of their time that does cost something um and i was i was just young and dumb right yep. uh, you don't know what you don't know to some degree but we also have to recognize when you don't know something you got to go out and find it out if i could go back and smack young jason in the face and tell him that i would yeah one of my uh like if, if we're telling horror stories of ourselves so one of the things that i did as far as on the professionalism is i, I put like I don't know what the what the young people would think was fun ahead of what was professional or what I should have done. So um, within my first year, I think it was my first year, maybe my second, I got a new pastor and the new pastor was coming in in like a month or something like that. Well, I had been like working to fundraise with our, our youth group for like the whole year. We were doing sonic fundraisers, all these things. And I had all these incentives out there for them. Like if, if you raise this much money, then I'll do this with my beard. If you do raise this much money, I'll do this with my hair, you know? And so basically they raised enough money to do whatever they wanted almost like to shave my beard in whatever shape to, to bleach it and then dye it whatever color they wanted. The same thing with my hair. And that's how I met my new pastor was with stripes <laughs> shaved in my beard, pink on top, blue on bottom of my beard. And my hair was like yellow or orange or something like that. It was awful. And it was like the kids loved it, but it was definitely not the first impression that I wanted to give to my the, the new pastor. <laughs> I dabbled. We all we all know uh, Project YM and some of the different games that they do and things like that. I dabbled in making my own games for the youth, youth program for, for a while. And a couple of them were hits, but a couple of them were misses. And I really like the the uh, choice where you have to choose one thing or another thing and it's going to have dire consequences down the road. And this is kind of like an advanced board game technique. And I tried to do it in an icebreaker. And so everyone had these popsicle sticks and everyone started with three and the goal was to get as many as possible. And there were like 42 steps in between. <laughs> and uh, like none of the adults knew what to do. They're just holding these stacks of popsicle sticks and looking at each other like, what are we supposed to do? And I swear I explained it clearly three times. I had PowerPoint slides, but there were two kids in the corner that just each had one popsicle stick and they were sword fighting each other. <laughs> and everyone else in the room looked at them, not like they need to stop, but like, oh, at least someone's having fun. <laughs> and so sometimes being a good professional is leaving certain things up to the professionals in game development or game design at that level was definitely something that was out of my wheelhouse at the time. So <laughs> that's awesome, Chris. I also kind of feel like we we should tell the listeners about Brawl Ball. I don't know if that's uh, if that's if that's on the table or not. But so that's a that's a huge win, right? And, and it's funny because when we talk about professionalism, we we divide it into to men and women's groups, right? And we had these these going deeper groups, and to approach them differently was absolutely professionally required. Right. You wouldn't approach a women's group in the same way you approached a men's group. And we had this resource of basically a parish activity center that had a multi-purpose space that essentially had a gym, a basketball court type of thing in the middle of it. 
And we would we would start with our session. We would do do some prayer time, do some deep discussion with guys, and then the last twenty minutes we would get in a big exercise ball, divide up into teams, and open double doors on opposite sides of the gym and say, "This is brawl ball. The only rule is to get the ball through the door by any means necessary." And it was amazing, and it was extremely liability wise, probably pretty <laughs> high up there. Like it, there were there were people that were just throwing their bodies into other people to make sure that the ball did or did not get to where it went. When you so, say big um, exercise ball, you mean like one of those big yoga balls or whatever that are the size yeah the of one a that human? the one that uh, Jim Halpert uh, popped while Dwight, Dwight Schrute was sitting on it in the opening scene of the office. That okay. that okay. that size of ball, yeah. Wow. And so um, and so Jason obviously thinks this was uh, like a, not a good thing professionally. You know, uh, <laughs> we we might have had at least one bloody nose. I I distinctly rem- remember one bloody nose. I do remember um, uh, a, a dent in the wall. You know, the drywall. Uh, there was definitely a dent from uh, another minister in the diocese of Austin. I'm pretty sure that was his shoulder. Uh, good times. I mean, don't get me wrong. I from a the uh, the from a youth ministry perspective, I would offer a certain measure of uh, professionalism from the uh, business manager's perspective. That might have they might have had a different perspective. Yeah. And and I have a feeling, and this is this is a fair uh, barometer. I have a feeling had the pastor or the business manager walked in while we were praying playing brawl ball. I might have paused and just said, okay, I know I said there was only one rule. Here's the other 16 rules to be able to play this prudently. <laughs> yep. um, but but there was something about that season of ministry with those guys because these were teams that were all in. And so there was something about it to where you knew there was a level of trust to where they were going to do their best to respect each other. Because ultimately, you could have gone fisticuffs the whole time and still followed the rules that they were going to respect each other and that they were going to respect the facility. And so I don't think that that could have been done on a, with a different audience. But we had cultivated something with those youth. Um, I don't know if it could be done now at this season because I could hardly walk the day after back then. And that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> you just couldn't physically do it because you're old now. My um, wife would say you're distinguished you're, now. You're, yeah. I'm distinguished like your beard. I'm not allowed to play brawl ball anymore. So, um, and I, I think, I think that's fair to look at the season of life that you're in and the ministry that you're afforded, the opportunities that are afforded. Don't miss some of those moments. Um, because yeah, when you're in your forties, brawl ball is not an option. This may bring up a really good point that I, I, I want to toss out there, especially with the diocesan director here. Um, professionalism, does it necessarily mean following the rules? Um, because that's like, that's one of the things that like, obviously from the diocesan perspective, litigation, all this other stuff, like, like following the rules is part of professionalism. Um, but this, like this moment, like that was created, um, there was some beauty there, right? And there was something like awesome that was done there that was obviously probably not following the rules. <laughs> like, like I'm sure there's a rule somewhere that says that's not the way you, that, that it should be done. Um, like there's got to be a balance there in ministry, you know, um, and protecting the organization as a whole from like not existing anymore because of litigation um, versus like pastoral ministry and what does that look like on the ground and taking risks, um, so like, I'm sure you've dealt with this. No, uh, I don't know if this necessarily takes us on a tangent, but I think it's applicable here. No, I actually love that you brought that up because, um, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I actually honor Chris for the risk that he took in terms of that type of ministry with these young men. I agree with Chris, the, the season of ministry that not only the youth ministry program at the parish was in, but also these young men 
warranted itself to that type of uh, sort of uh, brotherhood, fraternity. That's what was really grown out of that in yep. in the direction yep. of Jesus. It wasn't fraternity for fraternity's sake with teenagers. It was in the direction of Jesus in this really powerful way. Um, and part of following Jesus is fun. You know, the gospels don't share with us all of the campfire talk that we know we have to believe was taking place when Jesus was sitting around the campfire at night with the 12, you know, uh, yep, you throw yep. a glass, of, uh, I don't know if it was glasses, you throw a little cup of wine in there and that probably made for a pretty fun evening, right? Um, <laughs> we don't get to see those pieces, but we know from our human experience that that's a part of it. Yeah. As a diocesan leader, look, um, risk mitigation is just, it comes with the territory, especially in the church today. We know that just across within the world, right, culturally, people sue if you sneeze, right, in their direction. Yep. Um, yep. So risk mitigation is important to at least have the mindset that understands that. But we also have to understand that while risk mitigation can be a good thing, it's certainly good for an insurance company, risk mitigation, by and large, is oftentimes poison to people on mission. We have to be willing to take a step forward into the unknown, to try new things, to be willing to do something that nobody's done before or hasn't done in a while and accept that there might be consequences, but that the rewards might outweigh them. So having a, a mindset of risk assessment, that's what allows you to take on new endeavors. And yes, when you're a true professional, right? Again, somebody who, as we talked about in the last podcast, is elevating who they are for the sake of moving the field forward, that comes with risk-taking. That's just, that's how innovation yeah. happens. That's where creativity yep. comes from. I'm so happy to hear you say that because I, I think there there is absolutely a balance there. Um, and like a true professional is going to be able to assess the risk, you know, and, and say, is it worth it? You know, or like, and, and is this is this done responsibly? Am I being a good steward? You know, with with everything that I've been given, um, and uh, but it's so hard when you have like I don't want to say other people that you work alongside with or other people in the parish or the diocese who are or or like um, so focused on the litigation side of things um, that there's no room for innovation. Um, in that way. Right, right. And so if without risk, we can turn every uh, disciple making moment into a classroom moment, right? Because then there's no there's no consequence because accepting the gospel, accepting Jesus into your life is in and of itself an inherent risk. And if we don't make that clear in the way that we live and share the gospel, then we do a disservice to those who we are, we are inviting to discipleship, Right. And so saying yes to Jesus is a risk. That being said, um, there are some risks that are off the table. Amen. And we can't just say, well, I'm here to go ahead and take a risk for the sake of taking risk. No, but innovating is necessary, especially in the last year with the pandemic. It's absolutely necessary. But those who were already innovators were able to better respond and react because they had that muscle built to be like, I'm going to lean against something that doesn't feel super comfortable or that I'm not familiar with. But I know that on the other side of this, there's something greater that God is calling us to. And that's where risk comes in. I think it's personal and professional risk as opposed to liability risk. And I think that the ready aim, 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 and never get to fire uh, people are just as dangerous as the ready fire aim people um, in regards to what happens with the gospel. One of the most influential sort of mentors in my life uh, when I first got started made the comment to me, don't ever be afraid to be fired. Uh, and, and what his point was, 
was be true to who you are. Again, live into the giftedness, the culture, the charism that you bring as a human being, in a way that you're going to augment the culture and the charisms of the people around you. Be who you are authentically. Never be afraid to be fired for who you are. But the, the counter to that is also don't try to get fired. You know, yeah. when, again, yeah. <laughs> when, when, you're, when your pastor tells you, hey, this isn't something we're going to do, hopefully that's a pastor. You might be able to banter a little bit, you know, come with a heavy bat, be willing to express why you want to do what you want to do. But if the pastor says no, or it's made clear to you, this is not the right thing to do. It doesn't mean go do that anyway. So temperance yeah. is important, right? We have to be willing yeah. to, uh, we have to be willing to understand when the right time for something is. Well, and if you come up against that, like more often than not, then maybe it's not a good fit. You know, maybe maybe you and that pastor are not a good fit, and you need to be looking for another place to be able to live out the gifts that God's given you, um, because there is a difference. Like, and this is one of the things that we say at Ablaze is, like, if if and I say this to pastors that call us is like, if if you are maintenance mode pa- pastor, or if like other parishioners come and ask me, hey, we want you to come to our parish, it, like if it's a maintenance mode parish, that we will not work, um, because we are not maintenance mode. Um, we, we are out there on mission and doing things in, in innovatively. Um, and that's not going to work well with a maintenance mode parish or pastor. And so um, if you are working in, in the pastor and you are just aren't lining up, it may be that y'all are just going to operate differently and you need to work somewhere else. Yeah, discern that because God absolutely has a place for you to share your gifts. Yep. Right. He didn't give you those gifts for them not to be shared. So that is a discernment process for sure. Um, but again, Make it a discernment process. Don't hang up from this episode and go quit your jobs. <laughs> Prudence and temperance, people. Matt said but, so. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Matt said so. I've actually got some advice for that. Yeah, go. For how to discern that appropriately. I'll, I'll just share one of the things that uh, that was shared with me and, and now I've taken on as a, a, yearly, a yearly habit. Um, regardless of the job that I'm in, whether I'm having been in parish work or now in Dawson work, every single year, I write a letter of resignation to either the pastor, in this case today, it's the bishop. I literally sit down, I write my letter of resignation, and then I pray with it. God, if, if you want me to stay here, I'm going to tear this up. I'm going to delete it. It's not, not something I just keep on my desktop or you know, in a file somewhere digitally. Right? Nobody wants that. Um, but there can be something really, really powerful about going to God and saying, if this is the place you want me to be, I will be here. I will literally follow you wherever you want. But I also don't want it because it's what I want. I want it because it's what you want. So being willing to actually give something entirely back to God can be a powerful thing. I would say to anyone who is trying to discern, is this, is this the place that you need to be? Try sitting down and writing to your pastor, I, I respectfully resign from this position. And then pray with yeah. him. See what God says. Yeah. Well, and, and how powerful is that for you to have this moment in the back of your mind of, I discerned this. Like, because you, you're going to run into rough times throughout the year, th- times when you just want to quit, when it just sucks, yep. you know, to be in ministry. Um, and you're going to be like, I, why am I even here? Like, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. And then you look back and like January 1st, you wrote that and you sat down for nine days or however long and prayed through that, prayed over that. And you're like, no, no, this is where God wants me. Like he, yeah. like I committed to be here for a year. This is what he wanted me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to be here for like the remainder of this year or whatever. It's just, um, yeah, that, I, I think that's, would be powerful to get through some of the muck of, of ministry. One thing that I did and Jason, you knew that about this, um, that I was in a position where I was really struggling with, with some of the different pieces 
And I was like, it's this where God wants me. The job started getting very hard in regards to some staff and office type of politics. I still love and loved the ministry. Um, and so I actually put my name out there. I, I, I got scouted by a parish up near your area and uh, went and met with them and it went really well. And essentially we kind of had a job offer on the table. And then I was like, no, I don't think so. I'm going to choose to stay where I'm at. Like that was helpful as well. So it's okay to apply for another job just to kick the tires on something, you know, obviously withdraw your hat before it gets too serious. If for some reason you were just testing the water, but just to go through the process of being like, my skill sets are valued elsewhere. Can they still be valued here? And I got to choose where I was, even in the midst of the challenge, I was just being uh, thrown my own little temper tantrum and I was just dissatisfied and I needed to work on that in the midst of the, the culture and the context that I was in. So that would be kind of the flip side of what your suggestion was as well um, to, to look at that, because sometimes just being wanted somewhere else reminds you that you're adding value where you're at. Yeah. That desire plus prayer equals peace. I'm a firm believer of that. When we take our desires to the Lord and we act on them in some form or fashion, right? Giving those over to the Lord and then spending time in authentic prayer about it, right? Not, not while you're driving to work or, or whatever, doing something else, spending time with Jesus and bringing that desire to him. We will have peace one way or the other. He is, I'm a firm believer. God is always going to make it clear what he desires, what he desires from us with a sense of peace. I'm a firm believer in that. Amen. Yep. Amen. Yeah. So I don't know how much that connects to the professionalism that we were talking about in <laughs> practicals. It definitely was something practical, um, and it and it may help us be more professional in our position, having had like gone through something like that every year. Um, but we've got about ten more minutes or so um, to to throw some more practicals out towards people. Jason, what else? What else do we have? Um, so a, a couple of things when we when we think about the way that we do our jobs, we've got to remember that that's so important. Um, so how are you using your time in a disciplined way? How are you running meetings with uh, core team leaders, with parents, with your pastor, with a finance counselor, with a pastoral counselor, whatever it might be? When you walk into a meeting, how are you prepared and how have you spent time ensuring that any question that comes your direction, you are prepared to answer? How many books are you reading a year? How are you trying to educate yourself? How are you thinking outside of ministry? What are your passions and the desires that you have that are outside of just the ministry world? And how are you going and seeking information or training or certificates or whatever it might be in that thing? For example, I, uh, one of the things that I kind of geek, geek out on is culture development, impact development, human resources, and the way that that plays sort of a, a kind of a thing into that. Um, I got really interested a couple of years ago in the nature of uh, succession planning and how companies develop their people. Because again, if you think in the ministry world, right, we have to enter into our positions, again, recognizing we're stewards. We're not always going to have the jobs that we have. They might get taken from us. We might decide to leave, whatever the case may be. So how are mm -hmm. we making sure that the people behind us are set up for success to be better than us? when they take our job someday. So I kind of wanted to learn more about that. So I didn't want to go to a ministry thing. I wanted to go to the source. Let's actually go to a HR professional. Went and attended a certificate training in human resources. Uh, nine box theory is what it was called in succession planning. So how are you educating yourself on things that maybe you want to geek out on, right? I'm sure we have listeners right now that are video gamers. Do you ever spend time just going and learning how to code a video game just for your own edification? Because I guarantee you that when you learn new things, even outside of the ministry world, 
that's going to prompt innovation and creativity within the ministry world. Um, so yeah, just uh, a, a couple of things. How are we elevating who we are as a person? How are we dressing for the job that we want, not the one that we have? How are we making sure that we're giving, uh, making sure that our, our, our sort of presence within the parish that we're in um, or the job that we're in, whatever it is, that we're, we're representing that parish exceptionally well? Um, I'll pause there for a second. I mean, there's so many that we could talk about but at a very practical level, there's things that you're doing on a daily basis that can make you a better professional. Yeah. So I think about the gardener or someone that's cultivating something, right? Mm-hmm. And so how are you? Because we're, we're so into cultivating a culture of discipleship or evangelization in those that we serve with, in the parishes that we operate in. But sometimes we forget to cultivate a spirit of growth in and of ourselves. And so stewardship over self isn't just about avoiding sin. Stewardship over self is actually about growth, right? So leaders are readers and, and all those different, you know, phrases. We got to keep in mind, like, how are we doing it and how are we being intentional about doing that? Yeah, I, I was, I'm listening to a book that's been out for a long time. Um, what is it, Chris? First Break All the Rules? First Break All the Rules, yeah. You know, and it's all about, like, managers and, and world-class managers. And as I'm listening to us, I'm like, Holy moly, do we have any kind of management training for our youth ministers? Like, because that's what they're doing. They're, they're managing volunteers. Um, and, and are they, are they selecting for talents for the people that volunteer for them? Are they, are they doing all of these things? And you know what? Like, I don't know if we, we, we aren't doing that. And that's something that every ministry leader that, that has any volunteers needs to be a better manager, period. Well, and I think that the better way to say it is they're managing their ministry leaders are managing volunteers at best. At worst, they're lone wolfing it hard. Sure. And they're on their way to burnout. Right. Sure. And so at least recognizing I have to have others in this is a step towards that. How do we cultivate that desire or that 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 realization? Well, if you think about the fact, right, we don't let priests become priests unless they've gone to seminary. Seminary takes Mm -hmm seven plus years, depending on the diocese you're in and the formation that goes into it. But yet in youth ministry, we'll hire literally anyone off the street who might potentially be good at, at throwing a youth night. Um, now that's not to denigrate, right? And again, I'm not, I, I want to be very, very clear. Um, I think there are extraordinary here in Dallas, we have extraordinary ministers who do not have formal education or training in ministry, right? And that's not always a requirement. But there is a requirement of professionalism and a desire to grow in the direction of whatever profession you hold, right? So anyone who just comes in and they say, oh, I don't have time to go get a certificate, or I don't have time to read this book, or I don't have time to go to this training, that for me is a red flag that I would happily share with any pastor. If your person is not willing to learn and grow, there might be an ego problem there, or there might be a time management problem there. Let's let's unpack some of that and really get to the root because all of us have to have the humility to recognize we need to grow. Amen. Anything else? We've got like just a few more minutes if we but we don't have to fill the time. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. Um, you know, one other element we train new leaders on this all the time is uh, here in Dallas. How are you rightly ordering your day to be as successful as you can every day, right? Um, so I, you know, different people subscribe to different methods. Um, I happen, there's a guy named Michael Hyatt. I use his method, um, having, you know, 
your daily big three. If I can only accomplish three things today, what are those three things going to be? Um, you know, and that's going to look different for every leader, depending on whether or not they manage staff, depending on whether or not they have a formation event coming up or whatever it might be. But really sitting down and being a goal oriented person and then reviewing how it is, how did you tackle the objectives and key results? That's what we call them in our office. It's the term OKRs, right? How are you tackling objectives and key results within your specific goals each day or within a project? And then reviewing those afterwards. Oftentimes, we don't spend a, a lot of time uh, reviewing what we've done so that we can be better the next time we tackle it or tackle something like it. So as ministry leaders, how can we, again, constantly be getting better? That should be the common theme because, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we're ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We should always want to be the best we can be at that. Amen. Yeah, and this pairs really well with uh, forming intentional disciples, right? It's not just forming disciples, but forming intentional disciples, apostolic disciples, disciples on a mission and with a purpose. The flip side of it is, is that professionalism that we do models that there's a purpose and in, in intentionality in the structures that we build in order to, uh, you know, foster those intentional disciples. And so they really pair well together. Amen. Yeah, the the uh, the only other thing that I think is so important, we haven't really talked a lot about this, um, but professionals take care of themselves really well. If you read any any book, any book by a, an exceptional leader, whether that's uh, a, a CEO or a, a military leader, whatever it might be, um, just good leaders, they take care of themselves well. They set boundaries. For their time. Now, again, I, I'm not going to make a sweeping generalization. We've also seen bad ones, right? Um, but I think the ones whose stories are worth telling, it's interesting when you pick up on some of the ways that they do self-care, and especially then within the church. If you're a, if you have a family, if you're married, protecting your sacrament, um, recognizing, you know, uh, Scripture tells us that you know we're called to be temples of the Holy Spirit. How are we taking care of our bodies? So much of that is going to play with the way then that you're able to care for the ministry that you're stewarding. Uh, that would be an interesting conversation, I think, to have, because oftentimes we talk about self-care, but there's little things that we we don't want to get into. And to toss that in there, especially with you mentioning Michael Hyatt, John F. Kennedy took a nap every single day. It wasn't a long nap, but he did take a nap in the middle of the day so that he could refresh himself and continue on with the excellence he felt called to. And so th there is something about sharpening your sword or sharpening your axe along the way. Instead of what ends up happening is like, okay, once May hits and programming slows down, then I'll take some time for myself. It's like, yes, absolutely. But also, how today are you going to take time for yourself in order to stay fresh and renewed because your best self is your best professional self, also your best ministry leader self. Yeah, I once had a pastor who came to me and um, he wanted to hire a director of youth and young adult ministry, right? Again, going back to the slasher mentality. And I asked him, I said, okay, how many hours do you think this position is going to take a week? And his comment to me was, I think it's probably going to be somewhere between 50 to 60 hours on average, right? That's going to be the regular sort of job requirement. And I said, that's interesting. Are you going to pay for that? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what are you thinking about in terms of a salary? And the salary that was mentioned to me was just utterly atrocious. I mean, it just, it would, it would blow your mind. I'm, I'm not going to give a number now. We all know what those look like, but it was atrocious. Um, and I think, you know, again, 
we need to be very, very clear about what we're willing to do within the time that's given to us. And that comes, again, that's a part of professionalism. If you're a ministry leader in a parish or whatever role you might be in, and you allow for creep into your personal time, those boundaries, right? Like, again, as we talked about in the last podcast, there's a difference between the spiritual life and how that plays into professionalism. That never stops. You don't hang that hat on the wall, but you do hang the operational hat on the wall. In a, in a few days, I'm going to take some time off because my daughter's on spring break. My staff knows, don't call me because if you do, I'm not going to pick up. If the world is burning down at work, that might be a different story. I'll check in with you because I care about you and your stewardship while I'm gone of the office, right? But by and large, I'm going to invest in my family because that time is that time. We have to be sure to set those proper boundaries so that way we're not allowing creep from the job into what ultimately is most important in our lives. First, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And second, then our relationship with family, if that's what we've been blessed with, or wherever our vocation, capital V, might find us at the time. So just to be clear, Jason is voting on world burning down in March 2021 on his pandemic calendar prediction. <laughs> Good. Uh, I hope you had the Texas freezes over for April, uh, for February on your 21 calendar. Yeah, I bet because, on that. Uh, I bet yeah. on that. Because that definitely happened. <laughs> well, awesome. Jason, thank you so much. You guys, um, seriously, to consider all these things, it was a lot. And, and we touched on a number of different tiny areas. The hope is, is that some of the things that might have fallen to the back burner, things that you already know you need to do, or things that you've been meaning to get to, maybe this uh, podcast episode will serve as a springboard for you to take a step forward. And that's my hope, is that you guys take one step forward in your professionalism uh, because of your time with us today. Uh, Jason, thanks again for joining us. How can people find you? Uh, feel free to reach out to me, email me. Um, I, I, you can find me on social media. I don't, po I don't post a lot. You're welcome to reach out to me there if you want. Uh, but again, I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody when it comes to being the very best we can be. Uh, it takes it takes all of us. So let's do that together. Amen. Excellent, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Special thanks to Jason. Jason, just to affirm you just a, a moment, after the first time you were on our podcast, there were a couple people that reached out to us and said, you got to have Jason back on. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I hope that they say the same thing after this because <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together as I always do. Yeah, um, uh, not at the, we don't want them to say, okay, okay, we're, we're done with Jason. We've had enough. <laughs> That's enough of We've Jason. Enough. <laughs> That's it. We're done. So um, you guys hit the like, leave us a review, uh, subscribe to this podcast. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. And send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with everybody. With everyone. Everyone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, again, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. I know you hate me so much, Matt Rice. I love it. <laughs> Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and for the profession of ministry leadership. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you. Again.